1: the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com.
2: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn.
3: How can friendship help something that sucks move towards a happy ending? Authors Suzanne Riss and Jill Sockwell of The Optimist's Guide to Divorce kick off the very first show in our series discussing endings. Plus, we introduce the Hollywood game. We're live in the studio. It's Monday, February 27th, and this is Love Bites Radio. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you live from Heritage Radio Network. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Orpozo.
4: And I am your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. I am I'm, I'm listening. I'm paying attention. Don't you worry about me. I am 34 and in a relationship. You can find me as at ben Rose NYC on all of those social media things that I rarely check.
3: And I'm 35 and single, and you can find me as at Words Food Art. So that was a little rocky, maybe, on Benjamin's side because groove, it's been a you few. Give me a little time, it's been you know? a few months since we've done a live show, and we've changed things up. We put a little bump before our theme music. We're not giving you well. We would not be giving you such a long opening had we. Running, smooth. we haven't practiced. It's, we're a little out of practice, but we'll, we'll we're get we into are practicing on
4: the job, and it's going just Exa- fine. It's okay, li- it's
3: live radio. That's what happens. That's where the magic um, is. Exactly right. It's magical. So we have a new opening, and you just heard a third voice because our guests are coming on the show with us the entire time, which I'm very excited about. Isn't that Isn't that exciting for you too, Benjamin? It
4: is super exciting. Yeah,
3: we had such a we had such a lovely time with our couple series where our guests were on with us for the good thirty five forty minutes. And uh, a few weeks ago, while Benjamin was still out in Portland without me, uh, I, I cut our Valentine's episode together. And at the end of that, if you listened, um, listeners, I love that because it was it was all five of our couples and then a little bit of single gals' sort of takeaways from that. And at the end, the biggest takeaway for me doing that series was just that it really opened up these beautiful conversations for our couples and for Ben and I to sort of see these relationships that we got to learn a lot from and sort of, you know, postulate our what we could have in the future and what works and what didn't. Yeah, they right? provided
4: amazing models exactly. for like what a really great relationship Positive can look
3: role. like. And considering that both of us come from divorced families which we are going to discuss later after the break
4: i to be honest i'm a little excited i mean those those were great shows and i like i said they did provide an excellent model for me but i'm a little excited that we get to as the cynic in me is a little excited (laughs) that we get to go back to talking about relationships that don't work out
3: well we're not just going to be talking about relationships that don't work out in our ending series but yes we are starting our ending series today but luckily for the optimists of the two of us we have guests who are optimists why don't you why don't you introduce them to our audience
4: i will suzanne riss and jill sockwell are the co-founders of the maplewood divorce club and the co-authors of the optimist's guide to divorce how to get through your breakup and create the life you love on sale now from workman they met via a mutual friend who recognized a kinship in the pair when suzanne underwent a divorce a year after jill had gone through hers Their work focuses on the idea that the end of a significant relationship is the best time to introduce positive change in your life. In their book, they guide readers on how to deal, heal, and reveal. That means handling short-term realities, processing legitimate emotions, and celebrating growth through the stories of other women who have already walked through the fire. After the break, we're going to focus on Suzanne and Jill's friendship through this kind of ending, divorce. But to start, let's discuss the idea of endings on a broader scale. Welcome to Heritage Radio Network, Suzanne and Jill.
5: Thank, Thank you. you. Good to
3: have you here. So yeah, let's, let's just talk amongst, amongst ourselves to get to know each other. Um, everybody, what is an ending in your life, an event that ended, that you don't feel you've moved
4: on from? I love how it's like let's talk and get to know each other and then you like slam Dog. this like deep dark question. Down. <laughs> well,
3: we're going to be happy optimists later. But yeah, what's something let's let's explore the idea of something that you haven't let's figure out what we haven't moved on from. Who would like to start? Suzanne looks Go like ahead, she wants Suzanne. to say something.
1: Um well, I think that um what I I think about is um that the universe keeps giving you the same opportunity or the same chance to sort of make a different decision until you do. So anytime I've felt stuck, it's because I'm trying to work something out. So what's one thing that you feel stuck in that you haven't? Well, one thing that, that I was stuck in actually for years after my divorce was completely feeling that I could take on anything on my own. And the biggest thing was moving from this temporary place that I was living which was an apartment, to taking on a house. And it was actually just a huge, overwhelming thing that I, I couldn't bring myself to do. I felt very intimidated by it. And what really helped me was all of these friends I had who saw something that I couldn't see, which was I could handle it. It wasn't as daunting as I imagined. And in fact, Jill, who happens to be a realtor, really pushed me like I needed someone to push me off the cliff because I wasn't going to go on. My so what own. was the what was the exact thing,
3: though, when we're talking about so the ending was the thing you couldn't get over, or what, what, was, the, I was, what was the thing was, that you couldn't get over? I
1: was stuck in not being able to move on and gotcha. really feel that I could do it on my own and and take responsibility for a house and and all that that entailed. Gotcha. I, I just couldn't do it, and it was really by trusting all the people around me who loved me that I was able to say, okay, I am doing this, kind of kicking and screaming, but I'm doing it. Gotcha. What
3: about you, Joe? What's one thing in your life that... Maybe you still haven't moved on from?
1: Um, I'd have to say that it's hard for me to
5: come up with something that I haven't moved on from because honestly, I feel like I have done so much intense work, you know, through the separation and the divorce and now, you know, three years out from that. But in general, one of the hardest things for me and areas where I would get stuck, but then I continue to like put myself back in gear and try to like course correct would be in letting go of limiting beliefs that I have about myself. And and one of oh sorry yeah no what would some what I would, would one say of one of those be? would be that like um, kind of akin to what Suzanne was saying a little bit that you know you can't run a household and be a career woman and do it all by yourself so after I was initially separated um, and whenever I began to date it didn't really sink in immediately. That I should revisit what I thought my ideal relationship should look like, and for a while I was just thinking, well, I'll meet someone great and I'll just get remarried, and then you know that'll be that, I'll wrapped up with a bow, and you know then maybe I'll work a little bit or do this or do that. And when I was able to say, like, hey, wait a second, hmm. maybe I should actually empower myself to figure out a life that works for me that I'm in charge of and that I'm doing and work towards that on my own and then let the whole relationship and the dating thing be not a solution but be entertainment and then who knows that was very freeing for me Mm. what about you Benny
4: you know I don't know that there's necessarily an event in my life um or an ending in my life that I'm not over I think my parents divorce if I have to say one thing that goes that's from way back in my life that um still Holds power over me and hold and I think shapes the way I view the world. It would be that. Um, I think similarly, I have some patterns that I have trouble getting over. One is perfectionism, and it the way I let my desire to be perfect prevent me from um, doing things. Uh, be, being in a relationship what, was one of them for a long time. I Felt like, well, I'm not going to be the best partner. I might really screw this up. I might. Fucked up really bad and hurt someone really bad. I should probably just not entertain this. I should probably stay out of this. Um, and now I've now I'm in a relationship, and I still come up and face that fear a lot of the time. But I'm trying to, I think, navigating it a little better than I have in the past. But it's certainly there. I think
5: that hmm. fear of being vulnerable is is a hard one.
4: Yeah. How about you, Jacqueline? Well,
5: mine is completely
3: mine is a tangible event and is completely unrelated. So I actually want to stay on the three of yours because yours are pretty similar in in different ways. They come from a similar type of ending, Um, and so I think we should just stick with that. Actually, right now. So, what tactics have you guys been told to try? I find that a lot of times when we are given outside advice about something that's happened in our lives it's meant with good intention from people but it's often very one-sided it can be very crass it can be very insensitive in that it is their view of this is how you fix it and you should just do this so for our listeners what have what were some things that you remember being told that didn't work and why do you think that they didn't work
1: um, I think that anytime people are viewing your situation from the outside, they're usually talking about their own experience. Mm. And oh, not really that's really a good point. And exactly. not really yours. Yeah. So everybody has advice, especially when you're going through a divorce, um, on how you should handle it and what you should be doing. And a lot of times the advice is coming from people who are in marriages and have absolutely... No idea what your personal experience is like.
3: <laughs> it's the same thing as a single person when, like, people who are coupled are like, "Oh, well, you should just do this, and if you do that, and if you, it's like, well, you're not single. You haven't right, been single right. for five years. How would
1: you? No you don't idea. even
5: know what Bumble is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: And I actually found, and now it's how I deal with people who you know come to us and our divorce group um, is nobody really wants advice. That's the mm. truth. People want to feel better, but nobody wants to be told what to do. So what's worked for me. Um, really because I just had such an aversion to everybody telling me how to live my life and it, it really wasn't helpful, was to do things that helped me get in touch with actually what's right for me that no one else knows. So things like slowing down because I've always been very much a doer and learning to meditate and kind of sit quietly so that I can get in touch with that little voice inside me that usually I you know was just too busy to even hear I think we all know the answers and what's best for us on our own, and um, that's what helped me. And so I, I encourage people to kind of slow down and get in touch with that small voice inside them because people on the outside are never going to know what's best for you. Why do you guys think it takes something so dramatic like
3: a divorce or a death or an illness, like an, an ending, to give yourself that space for... You know, introspection and time.
4: I mean, I don't think we take introspection and t- and addressing our issues, our our you know, bad our patterns that affect us negatively, is hard work and it's scary work. And we don't like to do it naturally. It we only do it when we really feel, well, shit. I need to make a change here, or I'm just gonna keep, you know, falling down the same rabbit hole that I've been falling down. And so I think it's like, you know, hitting rock bottom, so to speak, is kind of like a great motivator.
5: Yeah, sometimes a big event is just things in your life are going to have to change, be it if you're getting divorced, maybe you're going to move to a new place, maybe you have to sell your house, maybe you have to go back to work. Um, So taking that things are changing, so to really say, hey, maybe a whole bunch of things need to change and really take stock in that. But I think as humans, what we like to do is put ourselves in little boxes. And we keep telling ourselves that this is who we are in this little box. We're little box blue. We're little box blue. And then when something comes up and says, hey, maybe you're yellow, you're like, oh, no, no, you don't. I'm blue. I've been blue for a long time. And that's that's our own stuff. And that's our own little box we've put ourselves in. And I think... When you can challenge yourself and spend your life trying to come out of your box and be like, maybe I'm green today, you will have an extremely fulfilling, prolific life. Huh? Did you hear that, Benjamin? I did. We had a very long discussion last week about
3: boxes and <laughs> oh. expanding them. Hmm. Well, before, and we're gonna. Ha- I think we're gonna have another one later now. So uh, before before we switch it up and play our game, uh, can you each share one thing? Maybe I'll share this. Now. I don't know yet. Uh, can you each share one thing? You are most appreciative from this forced changing of your box, like one one thing that you feel good about in your scenario now that you didn 't have that you would not have had
1: I feel like the the biggest advantage um, and really a, a gift, and i 'm so grateful for is this fellowship of other women, including Jill that I would never have met if not for the divorce. My very closest friends now, people that I go on vacation with and have dinner with and go out for drinks with, are women in this divorce club. And I just feel like it brought us together to help us all get through this really difficult time. And the result is that we're really bonded and are helping each other kind of keep growing in our lives. So it's phenomenal. I'm so grateful all the time.
5: And Joe. I'm also grateful for that, of course. Um, I think that being an example for my children of how to overcome something that's extremely challenging and turn it into a positive um, is something I'm really present to and proud of. I know that, you know, they say cute things like, oh, you wrote a book. That's great. You know, and, mm-hmm. and so taking something where I felt like there was a real lack of information, a lack of resources, and working with Suzanne, you know, so hard to... um Compile everything we've learned and from all the women in our group and turn it into the book in a positive spin, um, and really make a difference. And we've heard from so many people that you know uh, we just had a meeting on Friday night of our divorce club in Maplewood, and uh, one woman was like, "I'm on my second. I'm reading it for the second time," and she was like in tears. And just, it's just been it's been very um, gratifying. Ben,
4: um, I think for me it's that now I feel in my life like I am taking more ownership of my life. Uh, I used to think that I was, I was waiting for the perfect feeling to enter a relationship. Um, I thought that if it, I would know that it was the right relationship for me based on the overwhelming feeling that this was it. Um, and now I am in a really great relationship. I don't feel that overwhelming feeling. I feel like I'm choosing to be in this relationship and I love my partner deeply. And like that feels better to me now and more empowering than being, you know, at the whim of my feelings. Love um, it. So, yeah.
3: Love it across the board. All right. Now it is time to change it up. We are going to play our new funnest game ever. And Vitor, our new, our new friend engineer out there, can you give us some ding, ding, dings when they get it right? Awesome. Is give me the thumbs up. Um, so, listeners, we have, I've invented something that I think works called The Hollywood Game. It's a play on our newlywed slash oldlywed game from our couple series. So, before the show, we've asked Suzanne and Jill to sort of fill in the blanks of a line from a famous movie about um, being a mom or a single mom or a single woman. And so, we're going to back and There's three. They answered three each. And we're going to go back and forth and see if they can guess what their best friend answered if they filled in the blank. So are you ready, Benjamin? Do you want to go first?
4: I'm i I'm ready to go first. So Ben
3: has Jill. So the idea is that Jill it would say this line to Suzanne as if she were in the movie. And so, ready? So,
4: so here we go. So this is from um, Bad Moms. And the line is, let's be blank moms. Suzanne, did Jill say, let's be... A, Zen Moms. B, let's be bad moms. C, let's be empowered moms. Or D, let's be badass moms.
1: Ooh. Um, Well, I think it's C or D. Um, I would say...
4: C. Ding 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 ding. Oh Yay. there it is I one for Suzanne. Nice. Right. Are you ready,
3: Jill? Sure. Your first is from Bridget Jones's diary. This so. is actually from Own it. This is actually from the book, I think. <laughs> I don't remember this in the movie, we'll Reddit. find out. So if you are single, the last thing you want is dot 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 A your kid growing up and moving out. B to be surrounded by people who are always complaining. C your ex remarrying before you do, or D, your best friend forming a relationship with someone else.
5: Which would Suzanne say Oh, to Suzanne, you? did you say um, C? Your ex remarrying before you do? Oh, no, mm. I meant D.
3: D, your best friend forming a relationship with someone? No. Oh, it was to be. Surra- it was B to be surrounded by people who are always complaining. Mm, I should have right.
5: picked
4: that one. one I like that, that I'm on. Uh, <laughs> right.
5: Nothing. I'm right, sorry. Ready? Just keep this party going. Okay. okay. All
4: right. This is from uh, the Single Moms Club. My grandmother used to say a woman's blank is a reflection of her life. Did Jill say A, attitude, B, home, C, purse, or D, husband?
2: Ooh.
1: Um, I would have to say A.
4: Ding, ding,
3: ding, ding, ding. Woo! All right, yes,
4: two all right. For let's two. see, Joe.
1: <laughs>
3: Got even some
4: catching up to do. Leave her in the dust here.
3: <laughs> number two. We're only at number two. Okay, right. Give me a break, Ben. <laughs> There's all right. Ready? This is from One Fine Day, which I I love this movie too. Me too. too. Love yeah, that yes. George Clooney. George Clooney. That's who it was. That's mm-hmm. who it was, Suzanne. All right. Let's do this right. Let me freshen up so I'll feel a little more like a woman and a little less like a dot dot dot. A dead mommy, B wet rag, C rotting piece of fish or D mombi. Oh, C. Correct. That's lingo from the book. I got that. <laughs> All right, it is 2 to 1, Benjamin.
4: Okay, you could seal the victory. Okay. Uh-oh. With a correct answer. Uh-oh. Get here. on it, Ben. This is from Jerry Maguire. Okay? You blank me. Did you say A complete? B motivate? C, inspire. Or D, compliment.
1: Ooh, hard. D, compliment.
4: Yes! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> three, four, three. <laughs> All
3: right, this is a hard one, but oh. we're going to close it out. This is also from Jerry Maguire. Okay. You had me at dot, dot, dot. Is it A, hello? B, let's go for a walk. C, do you want to come over and hang out? Or D, let's grab a glass of wine?
5: B, let's go for a walk.
3: That's, oh, come was, on. She, she took this very literally. Yeah, he took sorry. it very literally. Well that closes out our Hollywood game. I hate to lose. Congratulations, Suzanne. Thank you both for playing. Um, so we are still uh, we 're going to take a quick commercial break, but before we do that, uh, listeners, we are still a show about dating, and we are doing two shows about breakups in this series. Uh, so we would love to hear your stories if you have had a really tough breakup that you 've muscled through, we would love to hear about what made it so hard to bear uh, what do you regret what do you what would you never want to change about the relationship? Um, if you do want to share your stories, please do so by emailing us at lovebites at heritageradionetwork dot org or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at Love Bites Radio, and we will honor your story anonymously if you'd like. Uh, and then to all my fellow spoonies out there in the chronic illness world, uh, a few years ago I wrote a piece for Cosmopolitan called How I Learned to Date with a Chronic Illness. And it was only a few months after we started this show. And so for those listening for uh, since the beginning, it was largely influenced by the filmmaker who I ended things with on the first date, who actually taught me many wonderful things about dating with a chronic illness. Um, and a lot of women have reached out since then in an overwhelmingly beautiful way, asking for gui- uh, guidance through breakups of their own. And so we're going to do a show about that, too. So if you want to offer your stories about breakups because of or during chronic illness, I'll be taking recordings and phone interviews and be cutting that show at home in my studio, as I did for our Valentine's Day episode. So you can send any audio recordings. You can just record them on your phone and email them to us or shoot me a note um, by email or or on social media. Uh, And we look forward to connecting on all those. Uh, But for now, sit back and here are a few words from our sponsor. We will be right back.
6: Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth generation cheesemakers, combining old world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards, the very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious fresh cheese curds, or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Cheshwa, which was named 2016's world champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com. And as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese, it's a no brainer.
3: And we are back with Jill and Suzanne of The Optimist's Guide to Divorce. And now we're going to dig into their friendship and divorce more specifically. Like we said at the top of the show, Benjamin and I both come from divorced parenthood. Uh, Do either of you come from divorced parents?
1: Um, No, um, this is Suzanne. Um, My parents uh, never divorced, and in fact, no one in my family, as far as anyone could remember, had ever been divorced. And that's why um, I really felt like I was all alone in this very difficult transition, and... um, I really appreciated meeting someone, and, and most of my friends were happily married. So I didn't know anyone who had gone through a divorce, clo- you know, or, uh, seeing it close up and and personally. So um, when I was introduced to Jill, it was a very big deal that he was someone that I could relate to, who had gone through it, and she seemed to be doing okay. Um, it made a huge. It was very inspiring. What
5: about you, Joe? No, my parents are high school sweethearts and um, literally growing up, like my dad would come home from work, my mom got home before him and when she was usually making dinner when he would come in the door and she would literally like stop what she was doing and say "Hi boyfriend and they would hug and kiss so well, I think it's challenging of course, to come from a divorced family. I would tell you for someone who you know dated for many years then got married and then of course dated again after that, it's also challenging to come from a super duper. Um, power couple type relationship, too, because you go out and you assume, well, that's what I'm going to find. So just kind of throwing that out there as a different perspective. I was like, yeah, obviously it's going to be great and amazing and you're perfect and this will just be lovely and it'll be like a storybook.
3: So other than um, the timing of Jill having gone through the divorce before you did, what about your specific... Personalities in your friendship because a lot of do I think now it's obviously more common for people like both of our my, my parents divorced later when my youngest sister was already in college you mm-hmm. know it wasn't an early thing and I think it's a lot more common now like I already have divorced friends you know it's, it's a lot more common now but what about so what about your personalities clicked so that when you did meet you found a specific kinship in each other other than the fact that you were both going through divorces
1: um I think it was definitely the fact that Jill is very upbeat, and we instantly, I think, saw in each other this desire to make the best of it. This is really rough. This is tough, but we didn't want to sit around complaining or badmouthing our exes or kind of dwelling in all the things that hadn't gone well. We really wanted to figure out a way to get through it and to make things better. So that's what bonded us instantly. We had the same attitude about getting through this in a positive way.
5: And also, I think, um, you know, Suzanne's background is writing. She was an editor for many years of a magazine. My background, pre-real estate, was um, I was a copywriter. I used to write commercials and jingles. So also having a shared creativity and going through this and trying to find a creative outlet, which is something that we did, um, was very helpful.
4: Can you – that's – Like awesome how much in common you have. I'm curious, are there is there anything that came up ever in the course of your relationship that you like disagreed on or kind of thought about that helped you see a different perspective and helped you grow?
1: You know, I think it's funny because as much as we have in common, and I think on a very deep level we are very similar, we're also very different in a lot of ways. And so just in terms of even our writing process I need to sit at a keyboard and kind of be driving, or I honestly can't even think. And if Jill needed to do that as well, we wouldn't have written a book. So there are just certain things that, um, you know, we were able – we're opposites, and it worked. Um, I think that's actually a big part of it, is that – as much as we have in common, we're also very, very different in a bunch of ways. Where has
3: that clashed so that you've had to really push each other forward in a way that might have been a little bit scary, that might have been like, ooh, this could this could bust us up, or it's going to help us become better people as individuals and better friends?
5: I think both of us have a really strong work ethic, so I don't think anything ever was threatening to bust it up, but there were things where... Um, for example, we would get together and we would have so much to do. Like when you're going through the editing process and you have such a tight, looming timeline that sometimes we would get together and I just want to blab about everything that's going on and like kind of catch up. you know. And But Suzanne, what I learned over the process is much more comfortable saying, here's what we're going to actually accomplish during our time together. And then we can do the catch up. So that was something that I learned just about her and just how she works. She She's not able to actually hear like my big latest relationship drama or what's going on at work or what what something I need advice on until she knows what we're going to accomplish during that time period. And then she can be like, OK, great. Ten minutes. Let's dish. You're first. And so that was just kind of, I think, being open to how someone else processes and how someone else views their time and and kind of being flexible is really helpful.
3: How did, what did that, um, what insight did that give you both about sort of yourselves that maybe talking about like boxes like we were before that maybe you could, you know, try a different box or maybe your box wasn't, you know, as cool
5: or something, you know? my organizational box needs a little fine-tuning. So it was helpful for me to have someone who was so on it to be like, here are the notes from the call, highlighted, what Jill needs to do. Like, it's, it's more in of a blue. playpen, like mine. You know, what's, yeah. that's, not, oh, that's a playpen. There's, there's, a, there's a few milk crates around that need a little definition. But, um, you know, so... Kind of taking some cues from her as far as, you know, working towards being, because I don't think it comes easy for anyone, but, you know, I think having the editor background, she was just really, really great with the editing process of the book and keeping us on track and, you know, just being open to taking direction was very important.
3: So, Suzanne, I'm curious about, because I think I'm more on your edge. Well, and it's as funny. somebody who's learning how, like, who's, right.
1: I'm trying to learn how to, Let go of certain things. So, I'm
3: curious as to what you might have learned through this process.
1: Well, I think I do have that taskmaster side that can be effective. You know, I've usually been the boss or the leader. I'm a Leo. It's sort of who I am. (laughs) We actually, we both are.
3: Yeah. But uh, what I. We're all sun
1: signs.
5: I'm an Aries. It's fire in (laughs) here.
1: What I really appreciated about Jill is how easygoing she is. And she was really ready to go with the flow, whatever was happening. And so. You know, kind of wanting to, you know, kind of loosen up a little bit um, and and uh, be more easygoing is what I learned from Jill and really came to appreciate. And Jill will find the fun in any situation. And it actually got to the point when we were under the most pressure that we would get giddy and be (laughs) laughing hysterically. And I would just like I couldn't I would just go with it because, um, you know, she had that effect on me. And I think it was great. Mm How has that affected your your lives outside of the book writing
3: process or your friendship? Like do you have a friendship outside of this job? Like do you get to do things outside of the Maplewood Divorce Club and outside of the book?
5: Yeah, I mean, we all do stuff together all the time. I, t- to me, it's interesting to think about it the way you guys have um, you know, the conversation is like the book and then like the club. But to us, I think it's, I think you feel the same way. It's just kind of seamless, like all one thing, like one thing lends itself to the next, which lends itself to the next. So, like, we get together and go for our walks, which is something we both enjoy, hikes and stuff. Um, there's a group of us that go on vacation together every year, and we have our um, dream of having, like, a Golden Girls-esque oh. community someday, a utopia, if you will, for yeah. uh Older single, divorcee moms, uh, perhaps in Boca. I don't know. We're open.
4: It it also, it also sounded before when we were talking before the show, like you do some drinking together because you mentioned to me that there were three drinks. That's right. That's right. About
5: these drinks,
4: crafted and concocted.
5: Well, you know, there will be times uh, at any point in your life, but especially during a separation and a divorce, where you just. You can't beat them, so why not clink them? And in that spirit, we uh, invented three drinks that we have in the book. Um, The one, my personal favorite, is the Oh No, He Didn't. And I think it's just because that's how I like to say it when I order it. Um, And then there's also the Girl Talk and uh, the Libertini.
4: Can you say what's in those?
5: Uh, Offhand, this is strictly from memory, the Oh No, He Didn't is uh, Cruzan rum, pineapple Mm. juice, and club soda with a splash of um, lime. On the Rocks. Sounds delicious. The Girl Talk, I remember, has whipped cream vodka in Ooh. it, which, I mean, who doesn't love that? And then the Libertini, I believe, is splash of cherry juice and vodka and something else. That's all Some you need. Mystery Just a- I like the Libertini. <laughs> yes. I like it. Just the right. name itself is fun. Exactly. Um,
3: so you've been mentioning these other women that have come from... So listeners, uh, Jill and Suzanne founded the Maplewood Divorce Club. And you said that your first meeting, you had 52 women, I think, mm-hmm. who, who joined in the spirit of sort of processing and optimism and sort of, you know, powering through and doing something. Um, and now you have this community of women and, like you were saying, these friends. So a lot of the stories in the book... Listeners come from these women and sort of tactics that they've done. They've, you know, it's great. There's a lot of, there's a lot of lists of like, try this and just think about this. And there's a lot of, a lot of suggestions and possibilities. So what is, if you can each share one specific takeaway that has stuck with you from these other women in your life that you, something either you do or something that sort of runs mantra-like in your head that you feel like has really just helped you be a, more positive or empowered person that came from not your friendship, but these other women?
1: Um, Well, for me, um, I love the perspective that the way you treat yourself is a lesson to everybody else as to how they're going to treat you and that you taught you that. Learning from several women in the group that either were going through relationships where um, they didn't understand what was going on or they felt they were being mistreated and they stuck with it. And I think it was just clear and it's always easier to see Mm -hmm. from the outside that um, you really teach people how to treat you. And if you put up with certain behavior that you don't like, um, don't be surprised if it continues.
5: Mm. How about you, Joe? Um, so many, so many, um, great pieces of advice from different people. But I think one thing that I really needed at the time when I heard it, which is just kismet when the right piece of advice falls into place for you was from, um, our friend, Mary Alice, who back in the day was said, um, you know, to email, text and speak on the phone, um, with your ex and like, he's a coworker. So it's easy, you know, back during uh the separation and negotiating uh, it's a very emotionally volatile place and the kind of to transition my thinking to um we're now in the business of raising children together and if i wouldn't say it to my co-worker i shouldn't say it to my ex mm-hmm. or anyone else so it helped me to really have a fact-based neutral um Exchange and to keep that as my focus. And I think that that helped to neutralize a lot of potentially um, bombastic-type situations, and I think that that's a helpful piece of advice for anyone who's communicating with their ex.
3: How have you seen your friend, Jill or Suzanne, change the most since you guys met?
1: Oh, I can definitely answer that. Um, Jill um, was really pretty much a stay-at-home mom who worked part-time and had no idea how um, she was going to be earning a living and also be able to be available, have some sort of flexibility for her two daughters, and watching her figure that out and be extremely successful um, has been fantastic because it was just a huge question mark and a source of anxiety, and she just has done so well, it's been fantastic to see it.
5: I think um, my answer for Suzanne would be, I've seen her grow kind of exponentially in a kind of a, a spiritual way. I think she has, You know, she was mentioning before we went on air about going to Tasahara and focusing on meditating. And I think just kind of taking on what is challenging and kind of growing into that and not being afraid to kind of embrace new challenges and be as powerful as she wants to be. And I think that's been amazing.
4: That is amazing. We have this little exercise that we did with um, the couples from our Power Couple series that we did uh, prior. And given that your friendship Seems so stellar. We wanted to play the same game with. <laughs> you the know what, two Ben? I'm
3: I'm throwing a hook in. We're going to do it about each other too, because this is our friendship show.
2: So. Oh, oh, nice. No, have it you in. Prepared? Gonna,
3: no, I haven't. Okay. I just decided right now because okay, I good. looked I looked in your eyes and I decided that I want to do it. I don't have it prepared, but they're going to do it first, and then we'll. Do I love it when women say
4: that. they looked in my eyes and decided they wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: it I'm going to apologize over. to your girlfriend <laughs> for you
2: saying that. <laughs>
4: okay so so here's here's the thing we we would just like each of you each of us to describe um your friend in only three words they can be three separate you know adjectives or whatever or they can be a little phrase but how would you describe uh jill i'll just pick on you first how would you describe suzanne using only three words
5: all right i'd like to be verbose i'll really try to just do three words Uh, Suzanne is tenacious. She is intelligent. See, I stopped myself from saying very. Um, And she's loving.
1: Aw, thank you. Um, I would say that Jill is joyous and uh, relaxed and has a strong work ethic.
4: I'll give you strong worth of ethic, even though it's I know I wanted I wanted words, words, to go but that's okay. <laughs>
1: but Well,
5: That give means it to I would have won. It's very it's true.
3: It's
1: very this is very hard for the writers and
3: editors that so we have So the
4: fourth on. word for a Jill very, is competitive.
1: <laughs> that's true actually. Yay. She gets this round, I concede.
3: Yeah. Um, ben, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Um oh God.
4: Okay, I'll go first.
3: This is I don't I can't I'm I'm mad that I did this. I know I don't know any of the words I'm about to say. I am too. Um, I'm nervous. I can't believe I did this to myself. No
4: God. (sighs) All right, so I will say that you are um, generous, um, trustworthy, good one, and. Empathetic.
3: Um, the f- first thing, and when I looked in your eyes, this is why I want. I, this is why I wanted to do this. Sexy. is <laughs> Um, I'm going to say it back to you. Uh, trust, compassion, and talent.
4: So Aww. talented, compassionate,
3: and trustworthy. Yeah, I love you. I love you so
5: much. Radio hug,
3: (laughs) group group hug. Um, Jill and Suzanne, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you, it's been so much fun. Listeners, you
3: you can find a copious amount of information about uh, Jill, Suzanne, and their work on our website, lovebitesradio.com. That is our show for today. It feels so good to be back. Uh, You can find all of our shows archived at heritageradionetwork.org. While you're there, we would love for you to click on the beating heart and show our little nonprofit digital radio team some member love money 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 money. some fantastic foodie benefits await you there if you become a member you can also subscribe to our feed on itunes and we would really love it if you would rate and review us we've been really bad at asking you to do that and we sort of need those Uh, they are huge in helping us get the word out and every single one warms our hearts we read them actually Uh, so next week we are joined by author jen glance of always a bridesmaid for hire and we're going to be talking about how you end the creative process when you let your art out into the world. So this is something that Ben has done as a writer and performer, I've done as a writer, and Jen is doing as a writer. Uh, so when your art is particularly personal, how do you sort of close the door on the experience and on the stories that you're sharing when you make them public? Uh, so please come back and join us for that. Until then, thank you to our engineer, Vitor. Our theme song is Give Love by Josh Dion. We are Jacqueline Raposo and Ben Rosenblatt. Love Bites we will be back at the same time next week right here at Heritage Radio Network.
4: See ya!
2: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org.